This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Over 12,000 people tuned in to my previous episode, so I have a big favor to ask you all. Would you please take one moment to head on over to iTunes, search The Darkness Prevails Podcast, or click the link in the description and leave us a review. Please and thank you. We're so close to a thousand reviews, and I know we can get there with your help. It is greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy today's show. Before today, the woods were quiet. The woods were peaceful, mesmerizing. Before today, these woods were rest, comfort, joy. Today, they are no longer, because something has been following you every step of your weekend hike through the mountains. You've only ever seen it in passing glances, and only for moments. But you do know it's getting closer. With every glance, it is nearer than before. You cower beneath a cold, wet tree amidst the thunderstorm, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that its hand is now reaching for you. These are ten allegedly true scary stories about monsters in the woods. If you have a story of your own you'd like to share, do not go to darknessprevalence.org until further notice. Instead, submit and read stories at reddit.com slash r slash darknessprevails. Thank you. Now, let's get lost in the woods. Possible Skinwalker From Madeline Location, Colorado My family has lived near the Colorado mountains all my life, so naturally, we save up all our money to rent a cabin in those mountains before it gets too cold to handle. This had become the routine. However, this year, we had rented a different cabin than usual. This one was miles away from anywhere. We arrived in the middle of the day, so everyone was busy unpacking for the night. Feeling bored, I wandered off. No one really worried too much about me, as I mentioned we had gone to cabins for years, and I hadn't been eaten by a bear yet. As I walked, I approached a tall tree line that I could hardly see into. In front of the trees were a couple of small animal bodies, which I don't recall being disturbed by, but that may have been because I didn't have time to react, as only seconds later, I heard a deep, but faint growl coming from the tree line. 
My father had warned me about what to do if I heard something like this in the wilderness. He said not to make too much noise and to simply back away slowly. Before I had the chance to take a step back, I heard my brother's voice, yet at the same time it wasn't his voice. It sounded as if someone had been tampering with the tape recording because it sounded layered, distorted. The things the voice said were wrong, like something poorly imitating a human's voice and speech patterns. This is what I heard. Sister, come here. I need help. It was like someone had just learned a foreign language. Being immature for my age, I still knew something was wrong, and I began to back away just as my father had taught me to. The voice huffed like it was frustrated with me, and it became more deep, more twisted, more disturbing. It called out again. Please, I need help. It hurts. It still sounded like someone poorly acting, or someone who did not understand emotions properly. It was more angry sounding than afraid or hurt. I knew I should have listened to my father, but I was beginning to panic, and I could not take it anymore. My body gave in. I turned into a full sprint as fast as my small legs could carry me. I heard the voice about halfway toward the cabin, but at some point, it just stopped. But I must have been too scared to notice. I reached the car where my dad and brother had been unpacking. I stayed close to them, but I did not utter a word. I never went back to look for tracks. I never went close to that tree line. I never even left the cabin until it was time to go home. It was only five years later that I began to tell friends, not my family. I ended up having another experience two weeks ago. I was exploring a wooded area near my friend's backyard, and I heard the same style of voice again, and once more, it was trying to mimic my brother's voice. Sister, come here. I need help. My brother is in the Air Force, and he has been stationed there, out of state, for two years. Knowing the whole story from five years ago, my friend grabbed me by the wrist, and we both ran back into her home, shaking with fear and trepidation. Whatever it is has given me a fear of the woods, and that is unforgivable. Colossal Thing in the Woods from Noah L. Location Unknown I live far out in the country, where you have to drive about 45 minutes in any direction to get to a town. Unless you're going for liquor, there's gonna be a drive. So basically, there's nothing but trees around here, except for a small lake. I've always loved walking around these woods, 
It's calming. It's always quiet, with the occasional chirping of birds. It was the middle of summer of 2017, and I was 15 at the time. Walking around the woods as I usually did, things felt weird that day, and I felt a certain stillness in the air. From the get-go, the birds seemed to have been absent. There was no sound save for a light wind. I ignored it. This was nothing to be scared of, I thought, and certainly nothing would scare me out of my own woods. Keep in mind, it was 9.30pm. The sun was finishing its descent. I would be out there until about 11.30pm. My parents were always okay with this, because they'd grown up out here too, and they knew these woods better than I. My father even hunted the land, and I often went with him, and he trusted me. As the night went on, I heard a loud crunch from behind me, and instinctively I jumped, turning around. When I looked, I saw nothing there. I suspected it to be a deer or a coyote, as it was common to see them wandering around here, but they never bothered me. I kept walking, but something again didn't feel right. I knew that I was being watched, and not by the typical critters. I felt paranoid. I felt panicky. What I felt had its eyes on me could not be human, and it left me feeling sick as if it was sinister. I decided it was time to walk back to my house for fear of something terrible happening. Twenty minutes later, I'm back home. I went to bed as usual, but I ended up waking up in the middle of the night. I looked at my clock. It was 3 a.m. Exhausted, I got up, looking outside the window at the trees surrounding my house. I scanned the woods, but saw something. Brilliantly yellow eyes reflecting the moonlight back at me. It wouldn't have been so bad if those eyes weren't seven feet off the ground. Because initially, I assumed it was a deer or coyote, but now I knew better. This was not something even remotely close to human or animal. Perhaps it was something in between, or something far off. I stared at them, unable to move, until the eyes blinked and left. I stayed up that night, afraid that something was going to approach my window. I lay awake, wondering what the eyes belonged to. The following day, I decided to be dumb me and go out in the woods again. It was Sunday night. I was out the same time I had been before, around 9.30 to 11. Every so often, I heard footsteps behind me. Not the normal light footsteps that you could only occasionally hear if you focused. These were huge, loud, obvious. I instantly thought of the thing I saw last night. I turned around to head back home, but I soon heard another crunch, and I turned again to see what it was. Though I had come out here to look for clues of what this creature may have been, I was not expecting to turn and see it right in front of me. Its head was like a wolf's, its legs were that of a deer, with human-like hands 
with claws at the end. Its arms were lanky and hung nearly to the ground. Its body was fuzzy, dirty, and matted. Its yellow eyes seemed to glow, and its teeth were razor-sharp, ready to tear through meat. Every tooth was as big as a wolf's canine, it appeared. I screamed, unable to hold back from doing so. I tried to calm myself and back away slowly, but all I ended up doing was tremble violently. I did not want to piss this thing off with any sudden movements, but I ended up tripping over something and fell onto my back. The creature growled loudly. This, too, was not normal. It sounded like the clicking and mashing of bones instead of a growl or voice. I scrambled back onto my feet and ran, but I heard it behind me. It was so close to me that I could feel hot breath on the back of my neck. It growled as it chased me, sending that disturbing noise echoing throughout the forest. I suddenly felt a sharp pain on the back of my neck and I screamed in agony. But I kept running. I knew if I slowed down or stopped, I would not make it through this. I made it to the tree line and I could see my house. And it was just then that everything went silent again. The sound of the creature following me was gone. I walked slowly back into my house and told my parents... It was well past 11 p.m. by then, but as soon as they saw me, they freaked out and rushed me to the hospital. There was a gash in my neck on the back, leading down to the top of my back, that required about 18 stitches. I haven't gone back in those woods again, and my parents won't let me out of fear. Even so, I can still feel that thing's eyes on me every time I wake up in the night. I know that if I look out toward the woods through my window, I'll see those sinister, glowing yellow eyes. It follows from stars. Location, Florida. I thought that it would be a normal night like any other, but I was very much wrong. I was in my grandparents' house all the way down in Florida. I was sitting on the couch, texting my boyfriend. I was around 15 at the time, and I was one of those people that was not willing to believe much, and I could be pretty dang stubborn, to be honest. Anyway, I had been texting my boyfriend for hours, talking about things like movies, games, recent events, until I suddenly noticed that everyone else had gone to bed, well, I thought to myself, looking around the dark house, I should probably get some sleep too. I glanced out the window for a second, thinking nothing in particular at the time, until I realized there was something wrong. Something had caught my attention, or someone, because there was definitely something in the yard. To make it worse, my grandparents lived deep into the woods, so there should not be any visitors this late. I shook my head, the thought crossing my mind that I may be hallucinating and tired, that shaking my head and rubbing my eyes might fix it. I looked back out the window after doing so, but they or it was still there, 
The same crooked stance, the same disproportionate body, same everything. It was then that I was beginning to feel disturbed. I grabbed my phone from next to me, trying to keep my eyes in the window, my eyes on that thing. Hey, I think I may be seeing things, I texted my boyfriend. His response came shortly after. Why? I told him what I was seeing, even looked up to make sure it was still in the same spot, and it was. There's something in my yard. It's tall and dark, and I don't know what it is. Probably just a deer. You'll be fine. He didn't think I was being truthful. I sat my phone down and went into the kitchen, just to look out the window again and to be greeted by the same creature. It was startling, making me scream. I fell onto the floor in a panic, crossing my arms over my head and began to hyperventilate. What I saw could not be real, could it? That's when I heard a door open. I forced myself to the floor even more, stiffening every last muscle in my body. Honey, what are you doing on the floor? I looked up to see my great-grandmother, who had awakened from my scream earlier. I, I saw... My voice was shaking. You saw what? There's something in the yard. It was tall, dark, and crooked. My grandmother gave me a puzzled look. She came over to look out the window herself. Darling, there's nothing there. Please, you have to believe me, I pleaded. Oh, I believe you. I know exactly what you're talking about, dear. She stared out the window as she spoke. Kids used to go missing up by the lakeside over here. We used to see something like that all the time, but it never really bothered us. Your grandmother, Kathy, was the first one to see it. And when she got my attention, what a sight it was. Horrifying, I'll tell you what. But from then on, it happened so often that we named it. Is it safe? I asked, still in shock and sniffling a bit. Her answer chilled me to the core, and it was the last we spoke of it. She said, As long as you don't get it to follow you, you'll be fine. Rougarou Wolf, from Darmy D. Location, unknown. As a kid, I always loved going exploring in my local woods. They were only a few minutes from my house. I would often take my friends, but sometimes would go alone. To say the least, I was one of those kids who was not very scared of it and I didn't realize that there could be any danger in the world until I learned a cold, hard lesson. I woke up on a school day and began getting ready for school. To my surprise, my mom came into my room telling me how school was canceled for the day. Apparently, the teachers were on strike. This surprised me, but I wasn't complaining. I looked outside and immediately sighed as it was dark and cloudy even though it was the morning. 
I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and even though the weather wasn't ideal, I found myself asking some friends about going into the woods. I wish I never had the thought. Eventually, me and two close friends, Aaron and Adam, met up to head to the woods. I remember feeling surprised that Adam was coming, as he was known for being boring, and he had even been compared to a boring rat. Aaron was also known as Perksy, wasn't the smartest of kids, and never really thought things through. Around 11am, we made it to the start of the forest. I could already feel the excitement building in my stomach, as we had all day to do whatever we wanted out there. We set out, playing and cutting up. We threw and jumped on sticks, climbed on trees, and played the normal games. Before long, my phone began to ring, and my mom was telling us to come back. It was getting late, and she said the weather was going to get worse. But we couldn't just do that. We had wandered so far and for so long that we did not know how to get back. Perksy immediately began to freak out, but I was still as excited as ever, realizing that it would be an adventure, finding our way out, all on our own. And that meant we would be in these woods a little bit longer. This feeling soon left me, though, when we heard the deafening sound of thunder. By this time, my phone had died, and Perksy and Adam didn't even bring theirs. That's when panic began to set in, and even I, as excitable as I was, was worried. We carried on, walking for what felt like hours. I was so shocked as I had been in these woods so much before, yet I didn't have a clue of where to go, of how to escape. We were sure police would be looking for us, but how long would it take? Eventually, nighttime was upon us, and we were all huddled by a tree together, freezing, shaking, and terrified. We all sat still for so long, until Perksy's head shot up. There was something in the distance glaring at us, he said. He saw eyes. He pointed Adam and I in the direction, and we saw it too. We sat there even more scared than before. As I felt this was my fault, I shouted at the creature to try to scare it away, but this was not a good idea. The thing that looked like a wolf suddenly rose up from the darkness, then it screamed. I'd never felt so horrified. The three of us jumped up and replied with our own screams, running for our lives. I had never seen anything like it before, and I honestly thought we were going to get eaten. I remember hearing the thing's gargling sounds coming from its mouth and the weird loud noises it made, which I can only describe as roars. I ran until my body would not let me go. I ran until I felt sick and noticed that Adam was with me. The creature hadn't followed us, but Perksy was nowhere to be seen. I wanted to desperately call out for my friend, but I hate to say that I was too terrified to utter a word. Adam turned white and fainted right next to me. I wasn't sure if it was the fear or exhaustion, but maybe it was both. I lay there with him, waiting for something to happen. 
A shiver ran down my spine when I heard something that will haunt me for the rest of my life. It was either a howl or a little boy's scream, but maybe it was both. After that, I blacked out too. The next time I opened my eyes, the sun was up and there were people standing over me. Adam was still asleep. It was the police who took us back to our houses. We were fed and given water. They began to question us later concerning Perksy's whereabouts, but we had no idea. We could barely talk and I only managed to mention what we saw. I remember my mom's face when she heard the description. I immediately started to cry. What awful things could have happened to my friend. After this incident, Adam and I didn't talk much, and my family moved away a month later. By this point, Perksy had been found alive, but he recalls having no memory of what had happened after we ran away. But he does hate me and Adam now. He says we left him, and I do feel so bad. I miss them both. I miss the fun that we had. I miss our friendship and when everything used to be normal. But that's long gone. I had to take therapy for a few years. But no matter what they tell me I saw, I know better. The thing that chased us was between human and animal, and it was unlike anything you've ever seen. But they tried to tell me it was some coyote or wolf, and that the trauma from the event has caused me to make a boogeyman out of it. But my memories are quite clear. Be cautious in the wilderness. Even if you don't go alone, you might come out alone or not at all. Something in the Woods from Nathaniel C. Location, Mount Lemmon, Arizona. During autumn of 2017, my family and I were invited to a change of responsibility at Mount Lemmon, Arizona. As we waited there for the rest of the people to arrive, I began exploring the mountain woods. I started going downhill to a path when I heard someone talking. I looked to my left and saw a person who asked me, Are you lost? I shook my head, but then he told me that I should go back to my family because it wasn't safe. I ignored him and told him I'd be fine, then continued along the path. As I went deeper into the woods, it became harder to walk. The path had been made for snow sports, and I guessed that when the snow left, it was harder to walk in. I continued going down until I saw something strange. It was covered in white and looked massive. It stood about 20 yards away from me. I quietly began to walk towards it to get a closer look. I watched it the entire time I went down getting closer. Whatever it was, I could see it breathing, its chest and body heaving slowly up and down. But literally, the moment a tree passed over my vision and my view of the creature returned, it was gone. How something that big disappeared so quietly and so quickly. It was impossible. It didn't make sense. After a while of standing there in disbelief, I decided to go back. 
I had been gone about 30 minutes upon returning, but as I came back into view of the ceremony area, I saw that my family and a lot of other people had disbanded into the woods and began calling my name. I went up to them, to which they embraced me and scolded me. I didn't know what was going on. My mother told me not to run off like that. I asked for an explanation and she told me that I had been gone for four or five hours. There was no way that was possible. I had literally just left. I have no idea what happened that day on Mount Lemmon, but I can say that it has terrified me and made me wonder where the time went. I wonder, does it have anything to do with that giant white creature, or is it all just a terrifying coincidence? Scraping on the House from Michael T. Location, Northern Canada. Let me start by saying that where I live can get very, very cold during the winter. This happened about a month ago when I was inside with my friends watching the game. I live in the middle of nowhere in the woods, and I have no neighbors whatsoever. During a night when the snow was pounding down heavily on the roof, I suddenly heard a sickening clawing sound right on the side of the house. I wanted to think that I was just hearing things, but it was far too loud. We all continued watching the game, trying to forget about whatever the heck that was. My friend Joshua decided to go outside for a smoke. He opened the door and walked out and closed it behind him. After a few minutes, we heard someone scream. It was so sudden that I nearly jumped out of my skin. He almost took the door off its hinges when he ran back inside. He sprinted in, slammed the door shut behind him, and was panting. We thought he was pulling our legs to scare us, but his face was pale white. He was saying that he saw something out in the field by the woods. I went outside with my hunting rifle to see what he was talking about. After about ten minutes of looking around, I definitely saw something. It was huge. It was tall and pale, hunched over. It looked like a skeleton, with someone else's skin tightly pulled over it and tied together. It looked so unnatural, with its ribs and spine protruding from underneath the skin. I fired at it, but the thing did not even flinch. At that point, I was more afraid of getting its attention, so I ran back to the door, while also trying to reload the rifle. We all stayed up, staring out the windows and doors, trying to make sure that thing did not come back, and for now, it hasn't. We haven't seen it since the snow stopped, but I know deep down that that was the thing that clawed at my house, and after seeing it from head to toe, I can honestly say that I have no earthly idea what the hell it was. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi 
as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the US. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bigfoot in Henrico County, Virginia. From Jay Shirazi. I'm 16 years old, living in Lakeside, Virginia. It was Christmas Eve. I was talking to a friend of mine named Nick on the phone. It was then that I began to hear twigs snapping in the back alleyway. I go to the nearby window to check it out, and this very thing stands up, staring at me with red eyes. Even from within the house, I can smell the thing. So disgusting, so horrible. I stared at it for about three or four seconds before it moved closer to me, and that's when I took off running for my freaking life checking the doors and windows, frantically. My mom then asked me what was wrong. I told her that there was something outside. She looked and saw something too. This time, it was in the backyard. We just stared at the thing for about 10 minutes. Then it moved, climbing over the fence and wandering off in the woods. Fast forward to February. I get curious to what this thing actually may have been so I go into the direction of where it ran off to, which in this case is the woods across the street. My mom's boyfriend comes with me. We have our hunting rifles with us. We actually managed to catch up to it, as it left a trail of a stench that smelled of rot, but it easily heard us coming. It picked up a rock with ease that was bigger than my head and basically shattered it on a tree near us. It was an obvious warning, and we took it, running as fast as we could, I haven't seen it since, but I know it's out there. I know if I encounter it in just the wrong way, it could be dangerous. It let me go. 
from Drago. Location unknown. This happened about two years ago when I visited my home country. There are many forests where I'm from, and wolves or other animals are common, so it didn't bother me if I heard the occasional howl or shot from a hunter. I've heard of werewolves and other beasts from European folklore, but as much as the stories give me the chills, I never really believed in them. The day before we had to go, I had just enjoyed one of my grandma's meals as we were staying on her farm. It was about 10 p.m., and I was going through my phone watching some videos when I decided it was time to go to bed. As I lay there on my bed, I looked up and saw that it was a full moon outside. My gaze froze on the moon as if I was in a trance. I almost fell asleep until I heard a loud howl, but this time it was shocking as it didn't sound like the typical wolf howl, and it sounded really close. Suddenly, three loud shots rang out, and they sounded as if they were just outside. There was a loud scream following shortly after, and then I saw it just outside my door. The way the house was, my bedroom had a door leading to the room and leading outside, and there was a small glass square on that outside leading door, so you could see outside through the top. When I saw the face of an angry-looking wolf looking through that glass, I was petrified. No wolf was that tall. A person standing on two legs would have trouble peeking his eyes at the glass, but I saw its eyes clearly. Blood red, with thick dark fur surrounding its body. I held my cross close to me and looked back at it. I told it to go away in the name of God. I swear to God I saw it smile, and then it walked away. The next morning I looked at my door and saw three claw marks in it. I didn't bother telling anyone since they wouldn't believe me. Strange things happen in my country and this was the strangest thing yet. My seventh grade camping trip nightmare from Tara Loves YouTube, location unknown. Last year I was in seventh grade. We took a camping trip for a few days. The moment we began setting up tents and getting into our hiking teams, Something felt eerie to me. Then again, I hadn't gone camping all that often, so I pushed it aside. The day went on with us hiking a few hikes, and when we got back from our hikes, we began a fire, rife with marshmallows and scary stories. After we all went to our tents, I was on my phone for a little bit, before trying to get some sleep. After about 15 minutes, I opened my eyes and saw shadows on the tent wall but I figured it was the fire outside making things look exaggerated. After that, I fell asleep. The following day was the same as the last, hiking day and night. Just like the night before as well, I could not go to sleep quickly. After 15 minutes of trying, I opened my eyes again, but I saw the same type of shadows. This time though, they were cast by the moon because the fire was out. I closed my eyes for five minutes, then opened them again to see the figure now crouching outside my tent. It started to circle it until it stopped in front of the tent zipper. 
I was terrified. I closed my eyes again and tried to fall asleep. When everything went quiet, I finally did. In the morning, I was standing outside the tent waiting for my friend to get out, and when I looked down at the ground, I saw footprints that were not human. I didn't say anything to my friends or classmates, and later that day, we went on a three and a half mile hike. We were separated into three groups, a group of fast hikers being the first group, a group of average speed hikers for the second, and a group of the slowest folks being the last. We were a little more than halfway done with the hike when we stopped at a little stream to cool down and look at. I was sitting on a fallen tree when I looked into the forest. I saw behind one of those trees a tall, dark figure. I thought that I was hallucinating because of dehydration from running out of water or from being tired. I looked away then looked back and it was gone. On the way down about a quarter of the way, I saw the same thing, but closer to the trail. I was now convinced that what I was seeing was real, and I felt terrified the entire way back down. The night was fine and the next day was normal, and I didn't tell anyone from my school about this. We have another camping trip coming up, and I'm not sure I want to go if I'm going to run into something like that. The Creature on My Family's Cabin from Shadow Shogun 15. This story happened about three years ago at my family's cabin in Michigan. We were having a family reunion during Christmas break. My brother and I were talking and drinking around the fire until, crack, something broke that sounded like a tree. The heck was that? I asked, giving my brother a confused look. He shrugged. You boys and I should go take a look, my dad said, grabbing his rifle. Dad, why would you need your rifle? My brother asked, but he got no response. We walked outside into the snowy night. Then we walked around the back of the cabin where the sound had come from. We didn't see anything yet, but we did hear something. A strange howl scream noise, and then my brother practically screamed. What in God's name is that? That's when we saw it step out of the woods, a tall, pale creature with a skull-like head and red fluids dripping from its mouth. None of us said anything. We were frozen in fear. It stared with its deep, hollow eyes. That's when we heard the boom of my father's rifle. That snapped us out of our trance and sent the creature running away. We did as well, running back to the cabin, we said nothing to our family members, and after some time, we tried to get some sleep, but I was too creeped out by the window next to me. I thought that at any moment, that thing would come back and stare at me all night. God, that was a creepy experience. The woods is simultaneously my favorite place and the most creepy place you can think of. Where better to hide away from people, while also having a great spot to spy and wait for victims. The woods are good for all sorts of things, from hiking, fishing, hunting, and even being devoured slowly. I highly recommend the last. So, beware the woods, unless you're seeking the most terrifying monster in existence. Then, you're completely welcome to come on in. Good night. If you enjoyed this episode, 
be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you want to share your story, you can share it with the community at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash darkness prevails or check out our merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash darkness prevails. Now, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video about 20 scary ghost stories. Darren Peterson says, First, finally, I've been waiting for years to get first. Well, I think a congratulations is in order. You've won the chance to come to my house and read me a kid's bedtime story. For some reason, most people don't take me up on that offer. Oh well. Careless Whisper says, I feel like I am a ghost because everyone ignores me. Sometimes that's a good thing. You don't want attention from the wrong people or too many people. I don't believe in the whole all press is good press kind of thing. Britannia Willis says, I swear my unborn child knows your voice. She gets excited and starts kicking every time she hears you. My fiancé and I go to bed listening to your videos every night. So yeah, you've got a tiny fan. Uh-oh, sounds like we have a future horror narrator on our hands. What are you going to do when she goes out with a camera looking for ghosts and monsties? Even though that sounds really awesome. Santana Legacy says, You're just in time to help end my day. No joke, I thought that said end my life for some reason. You scared me for a second there. And Forlorn Bat says, Ghost stories are the best. I've been waiting for another. I've actually been looking forward to La Llorona soon. Me too. They need to make a movie on all these urban legends and monsters. I know my Discord people really want a Wendigo movie where the Wendigo is the main antagonist. But I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Well, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode. But don't you worry, because more scary stories are on the way soon. So stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one. Momo is fake, but the challenge is real. From Steven. Location, Minnesota. I had quite the troubled youth until very, very recently, and I think the Momo challenge, while threatening my life, helped me become a better person. There's a certain respect you have out of fear. I graduated high school at the start of 2018. That year, I did not have a job, and I got into screaming matches with my parents every other day. They were tired of me, and at one point, I even heard them discussing kicking me out. My dad was on my side, though, luckily, and told my mother that they couldn't do anything until I had stable income. But I was an idiot. No matter how many interviews they set up for me, how many people they talked to to get me in, I didn't show up. I didn't contact anyone. I decided that getting a job was lame, and I was not about to do what other people told me to do. I had this thing in my head where being told what to do really pissed me off. But that's what makes this so weird, because being told what to do is the entire basis of the Momo challenge. Toward the end of 2018, I heard about the challenge. I saw that stupid picture of the creepy face. Any normal person knows that it's fake. 
but it wasn't the creepy sculpture that he had to worry about. It was the challenge itself. Deranged people began to claim they were Momo. They would post their numbers online, find any way to share their numbers, and those who were daring enough to contact them would follow the challenge, which led to the person pretending to be Momo, giving them objectives. I'd even heard that a couple of kids got hurt. I even heard about a little boy in Argentina who died. So, while the monster Momo itself was obviously fake, people were using her likeness to accomplish their twisted deeds. But still, the people who went through with this stuff are partially to blame sometimes. I mean, most of them don't actually think it was Momo they were talking to, right? As for me, that was my thought process. Add being extremely bored and extremely angry at my parents at all times, I figured the one person I could listen to was a fake Momo, at least for a quick and cheap thrill. Browsing 4chan, I found several numbers, about two dozen to be exact. I compiled a list and texted each one from top to bottom until someone replied someone who wanted to play. It took me about an hour to go through all the numbers. As many that did reply were aggravated, saying that I had the wrong number and that I was creepy because I started my text by saying that I wanted to play the Momo challenge. Anyway, the person who did reply, the one who did pretend to be Momo, seemed just as excited as I was. Their first reply was, are you ready to get started? I replied with a simple yes and awaited my first task. I was astonished at how quickly we got started. The first one was to rob the convenience store nearby, a 7-Eleven. I was hesitant at first. I'd never done anything that bad, but I was not in a good state of mind. Again, I was a very rebellious teenager at the time, and I thought that even if I got caught, it would stick it to my parents, letting them know that I despised them and that I was my own person. Yeah, I wasn't very smart. So I grabbed my coat and I headed out, not telling my father where I was going even though he asked. I walked down to the local 7-Eleven. When I walked inside, I saw the clerk behind the counter. He was on his phone and seemed bored. After a quick glance to see that they weren't looking, I walked into the back, and I looked around for a while. What would I take? Certainly something that would fit in my pocket. So I swiped a pair of sunglasses that I liked and put them in my pocket. I was about to leave when I thought I couldn't just leave after walking in. That was too suspicious. So I grabbed a Snickers and went to the front to pay for it. The clerk didn't say a word. I was on my way soon with my stolen pair of sunglasses and my stomach felt sour. That didn't have the rush that I thought it would. I actually felt kind of bad. As I was walking down the street, just wanting to get away from that 7-Eleven, I received another text from Momo. That doesn't count, it said. What? H how did they know what I did? Or were they just bluffing, figuring that I didn't do it? But the timing was right after I was done, surely I was being watched, but from where? I texted back, how do you know? 
but their reply was the next task, and it was just as oddly specific to my current surroundings. The girl with the orange coat. Follow her. What? I looked up and glanced across the street. Lo and behold, there was a woman in her mid-twenties, it appeared. She had an umbrella, as it had been raining recently, and she did in fact have an orange coat. Dumbfounded and intimidated by this person's knowledge of where I was at, I quickly did as I was told, crossing the street and matching her pace, following her at about 10 yards behind. The moment I hit that same sidewalk, though, she had already glanced at me. After about five minutes, following her every turn, causing her to speed up out of panic, I was again feeling nervous. I texted the number and asked how long I had to do this. Until she makes it home, was the reply. Fine. I wanted to stop and go home, but I couldn't. If he knew where I was at, was there a chance that he would hurt me if I stopped? I didn't want to take the chance, so I continued. I could tell the woman was very noticeably afraid of me. She was texting someone on her phone in a panic, constantly glancing back to see that I was still there. I made sure that I didn't get any closer, but after rounding several blocks, still following her, I covered my face with my hood the entire time. I didn't want her to remember me after this. Eventually, we made it to a suburban neighborhood. It looked pretty similar to mine, and I couldn't help but feel a bit homesick. After a few more minutes of awkward, silent following, the woman ran up some steps to a house and basically jumped inside. I could hear her audibly deadbolt the door. I continued walking on, pretending that I hadn't just been following her after several blocks. I sighed. I was relieved that that was over. I texted that number and told them that I was done. And to try to see if it would appease them, I said at the end of that, maybe we could play another time. That didn't work. We're not done, the reply said. The bridge. Go. Now. Breathing heavily, I listened. I do not know why I couldn't just turn and go home, but I felt like if I did, I would never make it back. I went to the nearby bridge, one that stood about 125 feet over the water. I received another text the moment I arrived. Walk on the rails, it requested. Was that it? I asked. Sure. After this, you can go home, they said. Fine. I got on the rails, and I began to walk and balance myself. I was honestly praying that someone would stop and see me, that they'd get out of their car and tell me to get down or even force me down, and maybe they could take me home or at least to safety. But with my luck, no one was even driving by that night. I missed the warmth of my bed. I missed just laying there, trying to stay up as long as possible, with my eyelids slowly falling. I made it to about three quarters of the bridge, I kept checking my phone, hoping to get that text saying that I was done. It was easy to balance on the rail, as they were pretty wide, so I wasn't worried about falling in. I stopped and decided to text them. Is that enough? I said, and I got a text that read, sure. I smiled. I locked my phone, and just as I was turning to get down, 
someone pushed me. Falling that distance, it felt like I was going in slow motion. I was falling back first. I remember looking up, seeing nothing more than a hooded silhouette walking away from the bridge. And I think they laughed. I had never felt so scared and so stupid. In a few seconds' time, I hit the water. All I remember was that the sudden splash felt more like I landed in concrete, but in an instant, everything went black. I woke up completely drenched in water. I was next to the same river. There was an old man standing over me. He appeared to be homeless, and he also appeared to be panicking. He was wet too. Apparently, he had pulled me from the water and had actually saw me jump off the bridge, but I know I was pushed. But I couldn't think about that now. I was in so much pain. My back felt like it had exploded, and the back of my head was oozing red. When I was taken to the hospital, I learned that I had a burst fracture in one of my vertebrae. I was in the hospital for three months, and it took me a very, very long time to recover. I had to have physical therapy, and I didn't have feeling in that part of my back for a while. The doctor said I was lucky that I could even walk, as often vertebrae damage could lead to spinal cord injuries, which could cause paralysis. God, I felt like an idiot. I basically let someone turn me into a criminal, a creep, and nearly a paraplegic, but I learned my lesson. As of April 2019, able to walk on my own, I got a local clerical job. I began volunteering at the homeless shelter, inspired by that man that saved me, and I swear to God I'm going to turn my life around. One thing I know I'll never do again, though, is a challenge like that. And I urge all of you, whenever a new dangerous internet challenge arises, ignore it. Because there are some sick people out there who will use it as an excuse to hurt others. I nearly lost my life from Evan 11. Location, Canada. After school, my mom and dad would be busy at work, and I hated staying at home. It was boring. I didn't have any game systems, and my parents thought that TV rotted your brain anyway, so though we had a TV, they didn't have cable or anything like that. I'd always been that kid that didn't like to read either, except for manga and comic books. That being the case, I would often be found in town at the comic book shop. I could play magic with the guys there, check out the new comics, or even read a manga or two without buying. I know it's wrong, but it helped to pass the time. It was an oddly warm day. I'd gone to the comic shop, and I was told by my parents that they would both be working late. They actually worked together at the same place. How that was allowed, I don't know. Anyway, I had around double the time to spare, so I went to the comic book shop and started to read some manga. This would have been a good opportunity to finish a series, had it not been for my bowels. I quickly ran to the bathroom to do my business, and when I was there, that's when I saw it. Something that initially had me laughing. It was a phone number, followed by the word Momo. No way, I thought. 
This is just a prank. I quickly put it into my phone and texted it myself. I started with, I'm texting you, Momo, for a good time. Surprisingly, I got a reply in seconds. Reading, are you ready to play? <laughs> I smirked. Sure, I said. This was going to be dumb, I thought. As I finished up and washed my hands, I checked out a new message that I got from the number. There was a date and time and an address, followed by stand by the pile. All right, that's really specific, but I replied that I would do it. 9.30 p.m. at that address next to the pile. Got it. By 9.30, the comic book shop had closed half an hour ago. I was just at a dollar store trying to pass the time. My parents wouldn't be home until 10, and the address wasn't too far away so I could make it and be home quickly enough. When 9.25 rolled around, I began walking. A couple of blocks down, I was at the address. I didn't know this before, but that place was under construction. It appeared to be a new, several-story building. It was dark and the street was pretty quiet, so I stepped over the orange cones and under the yellow tape. No one seemed to be there, so I could definitely do this without getting in trouble. I walked slowly in, trying to be careful not to fall in some hole or something, or get impaled by rebar. A pile, I thought. What pile were they talking about? The only thing I saw close to a pile was a stack of bricks. Surely that's what they were talking about. I went over, and oddly enough, next to the stack of bricks, there was a perfectly clean chair, one that looked like it came from an old school. And then I received a text. Sit, it said. It was from Momo. While that was extremely creepy, I smirked again and sat down. I waited for a while, not sure what was going to happen. I was expecting some guy or a couple of dudes to come up and scare me. It was a prank, after all. That's what I thought it was. But nothing happened. Anything could have happened, given how dark and late it was and we were alone. I'll admit it, it was a bad idea to come out there. But nothing happened. By 9.50, I needed to get home, and I was already bored sitting there. So I texted Momo saying that I was done, and that I'd see them later, as if they were some old friend. I got up, took a step forward, when there came a sudden, deafening crash behind me. Something caught my leg, and I fell forward in pain. I yelled out and turned around on the ground. I was on my back now, facing where the chair used to be. But now all that was there was a massive pile of concrete or cement, which had apparently fallen from some height and crushed the chair, nearly disintegrating it. The corner of the concrete slab had caught my leg, forming a deep gash that needed about 13 stitches. I got up, limping, and ran out of the construction site. When I made it home, worried that I'd be in trouble and still bleeding like crazy, my parents were already there. When they saw my leg, they gagged and had me taken to the hospital right away. On the way there, I got a text from that Momo, the last one I ever got. It read, LOL. I couldn't be more mad at this person and at myself for listening to them. Whatever you do, 
don't partake of the Momo challenge because I nearly lost my life to it. Does Momo Take Children? From LC9. Location, unknown. This started when Momo was at its climax. Everyone was discussing it. Me, my brothers, and my cousin were just looking up creepy things on the internet. I don't really know when we came across it, but we eventually found out about Momo. We found a lot of forums, sites, and boards where people claimed to have Momo's number. We, of course, did not have any idea what Momo was, so we googled it and laughed at the idea. It all sounded pretty fake and dumb. Like, come on, look at that thing. That's supposed to be real? That's supposed to scare people? We all agreed it was lame. But Chris didn't. Eventually, it was Chris's turn on the computer. Chris was my cousin that was with us. I joked to her, saying that she just wanted to text her boyfriend. She blushed as we relinquished our turns on the computer, and she got on. Fast forward a couple of months. I was helping my aunt figure out what to do about Thanksgiving. I of course asked my aunt about Chris, who was supposed to show up this year. Her parents had gotten divorced, and she had been switching holidays between either parent. My aunt told me that she wasn't sure anymore if Chris was going to make it. She had been acting really weird lately anyway. I was confused at this and asked my aunt what she meant. My aunt said that Chris had been jumpy, hadn't been sleeping. She kept complaining to herself under her breath about being watched. I thought this was odd compared to how my cousin usually acted. Later that day, I texted her, asking her what was up. It took her some time to reply, but all she said was, Do you remember Momo? I rolled my eyes. I was more confused and a bit irritated. I had forgotten about that whole thing, so I texted back, What do you mean, Momo? She sends me messages saying that it's real, but I reminded her that it was just some made-up thing in Japan, and that Momo couldn't be real. She said that I was wrong, and that I didn't get it. Then she stopped texting me. So I just went to bed for the night. The week of Thanksgiving, the crap hit the fans. I asked my aunt if she had heard from Chris yet, and she said no. In fact, no one had, and it was really making her worried, because again, Chris had never been like this before. I agreed, and so I tried to call Chris. Instead of responding to me, I received instead a dead signal on the other end. I looked at my aunt, worried. She decided to call her ex-husband's side of the family. Her grandparents admitted that they saw her getting in someone's car, but that she didn't return that night. This ended up with both Chris's family and mine calling the police. There was a search and investigation. Even my dad and I tried to go where Chris would usually go to see if she was there but we had no luck. It was only that night that we received a terrifying lead. The police had found a car abandoned on the side of the road, and inside that car was Chris's cell phone, and all they could get from the cell phone beyond that was the fact that someone had deleted the texts recently. My family was torn apart and confused, but in my mind, 
one word kept repeating. Momo. So, does Momo kidnap children? And will I ever see my cousin again? Momo Went Too Far From Thomas J Location, The United Kingdom I'm 14 years old and live in the UK. I have a brother and live with my parents. Let me tell you this extremely creepy experience I had with Momo. It started on a Friday. Now in my secondary school, Momo was a big thing that was going around and everyone was always talking about it. I thought it was pretty sketchy, and a friend of mine kept telling me that people were talking about it to him every day, to the point that he had a nightmare about her. It was chaos. I was in science class sitting next to my friends, and of course they were talking about Momo. I joined in on the conversation, as science class was boring as usual. The teacher was ill that day, so we had a substitute. My friends Kyle and Tom. Tom was saying that they should do the Momo challenge at his house today. Just as I was going to say that that was a bad idea, Kyle said the opposite and said that it sounded fun. I was like, this stuff ain't real. And they stared at me and said, it is. I was like, fine, I will come around yours today, Tom. I wanted to see how real it was and to see what they got themselves into. Science class passed by and we were soon going to lunch. I grabbed my lunch bag and sat in the hall thinking about Momo, that if it was real, it was going to be quite dangerous. After a few more lessons passed, it was time to go home. I texted my mom, saying I'm going to go to a friend's house for a while, and she was okay with it. We walked over to Tom's, and on the way, Tom explained what kind of demands we might get. He had heard stories about people drinking bleach, all the way to cutting off parts of yourself. It was horrifying. I can't believe they wanted to be a part of that. We arrived at Tom's house and we went upstairs. The house was incredibly warm, so I took off my hoodie. He showed me how to get started, saying that we just had to join a group online. This made me think that the demands themselves weren't for Momo, but simply people who role-played and wanted to see what others would do. Anyway, we joined a group, and at that point I was starting to shake, but my friends seemed excited. The way the group worked, it seemed that someone in the group with a Momo profile pic would ask questions or post demands. They varied greatly, from simply waking up at a certain time, and the worst we saw was ending your own life. Of course, I didn't want to take it that far, my mouth was beginning to dry, so I exited the room for a while to grab a drink of water. The moment I got downstairs, it started to rain outside, and the next thing I knew, my friends were screaming. I ran back to the room to see Tom's mom in the doorway, checking on them. They were laughing now and said that they were fine. I walked back in and asked what was going on. They said that Momo was texting them on WhatsApp now, and that it was time to start. I looked at the app on his phone, seeing that same old, creepy, disturbing pic of Momo, and a message that scared the living crap out of me. It read, I know where you live, Tom. Are you ready to play? 
Then they received another message, which was Tom's address. This even freaked Tom out, but it got worse when the first request was for Tom to unlock his front door. Tom, with a wicked smile on his face, listened. He went downstairs, unlocked the door, and came back up. But I was done. This was too weird, too creepy. I decided to call it a day and go back home. I waved Tom goodbye and walked home, but as I left, I looked back, and I swear I saw someone in a window looking at me. Someone that I thought was his dad at first, but soon realized they were wearing a mask. I quickly ran home and called Tom, but he did not answer. And at school the next day, he didn't show up. I'm not sure what happened to Tom, but I haven't seen him since. Surely if something happened to him, I would have been told. There would have been an uproar at school, right? Maybe he moved and didn't tell anyone. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'll believe. Sleepover with Momo From Lamarcus Boy Location Unknown A few months ago, my friends and I were having a sleepover. One of my friends said we should do the Momo challenge. I had never heard of it before that. He looked at me with a smile and said to Google it, so I did. Apparently, someone pretending to be Momo, or claiming to be Momo, will text you or call you and tell you to do often dangerous things. The challenge is to obey these commands. We started doing it, and this supposed Momo would text back every five minutes, no sooner, no later, no matter what we did. The first request was to come meet her. After that, we received our own address in the text, saying that she could come to us if she chose, but instead sent a picture of the park near the house and said that we could meet there. As kids, we made a very stupid decision and decided to go, but we did at least think to get weapons. When we made it to the park, it was 10 at night. We waited for about half an hour, but no one showed up, and we were beginning to think that we got pranked, until suddenly, we heard the loudest scream. It sounded like a woman screaming in pain, and the next thing we knew, several silhouettes appeared in the nearby woods, walking slowly towards us. We ran all the way back to the house, and I was personally thinking, there's no way this was actually happening. Momo wasn't real, but that gang was, and who knows what they were going to do when they got to us. I'm sure they were simply trying to scare us kids, but still, going out there to the park at night was a terrible idea. Well, I hope these stories taught you a lesson. Being a part of risky, often dangerous, internet sensation challenges is a very bad idea. These challenges don't last, and while you think you will be remembered, you won't. Even if you risk your life, even if you lose it, your name will not be remembered simply because you listened to a creepy chicken girl named Momo. Good night. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you have a story of your own, be sure to submit it to us at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails.
If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash darknessprevails to donate, or shop our merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash darknessprevails. Thank you. Now as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video on 10 Discord Horror Stories. Jose Dominguez says, Postmate Horror Stories. That is an awesome idea. Let me write that down real quick. Daniel Ryan says, Hi, thanks for the amazing content. Being from Arkansas and living in a rather interesting house, I grew up with scary stories. Now I get to enjoy others through your awesome narrations. Thank you, little ghosty face. It's awesome to hear from a fellow Arkansan. So thanks, Daniel. And I'm glad we could share some scary stories together. But it sounds like you might have a few of your own, so be sure to toss those at me when you can. Thanks. Jay Spade says, Funny, on the day I joined your Discord. Well, take it as a warning. Discord is a creepy, creepy place. Kojo3official says, I guess you can say the app is in a state of Discord. Get out. Kojo, get out. And then come back, because I love you. And Joseph Prato Ignoti says, the only horrors in Discord are the furry servers. What do you mean? Those are the best ones. They're definitely life-changing. Well, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode. But don't you worry, more scary stories are on the way soon. So stay tuned and leave a comment below telling me what stories you want to hear next. Thank you. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. They're amazingly awesome people. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy because this world is a strange one. Before today, the woods were quiet. The woods were peaceful, mesmerizing. Before today, these woods were rest, comfort, joy. Today, they are no longer, because something has been following you every step of your weekend hike through the mountains. You've only ever seen it in passing glances, and only for moments but you do know it's getting closer. With every glance, it is nearer than before. You cower beneath a cold, wet tree amidst the thunderstorm, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that its hand is now reaching for you. These are ten allegedly true scary stories about monsters in the woods. If you have a story of your own you'd like to share... Do not go to darknessprevails.org until further notice. Instead, submit and read stories at reddit.com slash r slash darknessprevails. Thank you. Now, let's get lost in the woods. Possible Skinwalker From Madeline Location, Colorado My family has lived near the Colorado mountains all my life. 
So naturally, we save up all our money to rent a cabin in those mountains before it gets too cold to handle. This had become the routine. However, this year, we had rented a different cabin than usual. This one was miles away from anywhere. We arrived in the middle of the day, so everyone was busy unpacking for the night. Feeling bored, I wandered off. No one really worried too much about me, as I mentioned we had gone to cabins for years, and I hadn't been eaten by a bear yet. As I walked, I approached a tall tree line that I could hardly see into. In front of the trees were a couple of small animal bodies, which I don't recall being disturbed by, but that may have been because I didn't have time to react, as only seconds later, I heard a deep but faint growl coming from the tree line. My father had warned me about what to do if I heard something like this in the wilderness. He said not to make too much noise and to simply back away slowly. Before I had the chance to take a step back, I heard my brother's voice, yet at the same time it wasn't his voice. It sounded as if someone had been tampering with the tape recording because it sounded layered, distorted. The things the voice said were wrong, like something poorly imitating a human's voice and speech patterns. This is what I heard. Sister, come here, I need help. It was like someone had just learned a foreign language. Being immature for my age, I still knew something was wrong, and I began to back away just as my father had taught me to. The voice huffed like it was frustrated with me, and it became more deep, more twisted, more disturbing. It called out again. Please, I need help. It hurts. It still sounded like someone poorly acting or someone who did not understand emotions properly. It was more angry sounding than afraid or hurt. I knew I should have listened to my father, but I was beginning to panic and I could not take it anymore. My body gave in. I turned into a full sprint as fast as my small legs could carry me. I heard the voice about halfway toward the cabin, but at some point, it just stopped. But I must have been too scared to notice. I reached the car where my dad and brother had been unpacking. I stayed close to them, but I did not utter a word. I never went back to look for tracks. I never went close to that tree line. I never even left the cabin until it was time to go home. It was only five years later that I began to tell friends, not my family. I ended up having another experience two weeks ago. I was exploring a wooded area near my friend's backyard, and I heard the same style of voice again, and once more, it was trying to mimic my brother's voice. Sister, come here. I need help. My brother is in the Air Force, and he has been stationed there, out of state, for two years. 
Knowing the whole story from five years ago, my friend grabbed me by the wrist and we both ran back into her home, shaking with fear and trepidation. Whatever it is has given me a fear of the woods and that is unforgivable. Colossal Thing in the Woods from Noah L. Location Unknown I live far out in the country, where you have to drive about 45 minutes in any direction to get to a town. Unless you're going for liquor, there's gonna be a drive. So basically, there's nothing but trees around here, except for a small lake. I've always loved walking around these woods. It's calming. It's always quiet, with the occasional chirping of birds. It was the middle of summer of 2017, and I was 15 at the time. Walking around the woods as I usually did, things felt weird that day, and I felt a certain stillness in the air. From the get-go, the birds seemed to have been absent. There was no sound save for a light wind. I ignored it. This was nothing to be scared of, I thought, and certainly nothing would scare me out of my own woods. Keep in mind, it was 9.30pm. The sun was finishing its descent. I would be out there until about 11.30pm. My parents were always okay with this because they'd grown up out here too, and they knew these woods better than I. My father even hunted the land, and I often went with him, and he trusted me. As the night went on, I heard a loud crunch from behind me, and instinctively I jumped, turning around. When I looked, I saw nothing there. I suspected it to be a deer or a coyote, as it was common to see them wandering around here, but they never bothered me. I kept walking, but something again didn't feel right. I knew that I was being watched, and not by the typical critters. I felt paranoid. I felt panicky. What I felt had its eyes on me could not be human, and it left me feeling sick as if it was sinister. I decided it was time to walk back to my house for fear of something terrible happening. 20 minutes later, I'm back home. I went to bed as usual but I ended up waking up in the middle of the night. I looked at my clock. It was 3 a.m. Exhausted, I got up, looking outside the window at the trees surrounding my house. I scanned the woods, but saw something. Brilliantly yellow eyes reflecting the moonlight back at me. It wouldn't have been so bad if those eyes weren't seven feet off the ground because initially, I assumed it was a deer or coyote, but now I knew better. This was not something even remotely close to human or animal. Perhaps it was something in between, or something far off. I stared at them, unable to move, until the eyes blinked and left. I stayed up that night, afraid that something was going to approach my window. I lay awake, wondering what the eyes belonged to. 
The following day, I decided to be dumb me and go out in the woods again. It was Sunday night. I was out the same time I had been before, around 9.30 to 11. Every so often, I heard footsteps behind me. Not the normal light footsteps that you could only occasionally hear if you focused. These were huge, loud, obvious. I instantly thought of the thing I saw last night. I turned around to head back home, but I soon heard another crunch, and I turned again to see what it was. Though I had come out here to look for clues of what this creature may have been, I was not expecting to turn and see it right in front of me. Its head was like a wolf's. Its legs were that of a deer, with human-like hands, with claws at the end. Its arms were lanky and hung nearly to the ground. Its body was fuzzy, dirty, and matted. Its yellow eyes seemed to glow, and its teeth were razor-sharp, ready to tear through meat. Every tooth was as big as a wolf's canine, it appeared. I screamed, unable to hold back from doing so. I tried to calm myself and back away slowly, but all I ended up doing was tremble violently. I did not want to piss this thing off with any sudden movements, but I ended up tripping over something and fell onto my back. The creature growled loudly. This, too, was not normal. It sounded like the clicking and mashing of bones instead of a growl or voice. I scrambled back onto my feet and ran, but I heard it behind me. It was so close to me that I could feel hot breath on the back of my neck. It growled as it chased me, sending that disturbing noise echoing throughout the forest. I suddenly felt a sharp pain on the back of my neck and I screamed in agony, but I kept running. I knew if I slowed down or stopped, I would not make it through this. I made it to the tree line and I could see my house, and it was just then that everything went silent again. The sound of the creature following me was gone. I walked slowly back into my house and told my parents. It was well past 11 p.m. by then, but as soon as they saw me, they freaked out and rushed me to the hospital. There was a gash in my neck on the back, leading down to the top of my back, that required about 18 stitches. I haven't gone back in those woods again, and my parents won't let me out of fear. Even so, I can still feel that thing's eyes on me every time I wake up in the night. I know that if I look out toward the woods through my window, I'll see those sinister, glowing yellow eyes. It follows. From Stars. Location, Florida. I thought that it would be a normal night like any other, but I was very much wrong. I was in my grandparents' house all the way down in Florida. I was sitting on the couch texting my boyfriend. I was around 15 at the time, and I was one of those people that was not willing to believe much, and I could be pretty dang stubborn to be honest. Anyway, I had been texting my boyfriend for hours, 
talking about things like movies, games, recent events, until I suddenly noticed that everyone else had gone to bed. Well, I thought to myself, looking around the dark house, I should probably get some sleep too. I glanced out the window for a second, thinking nothing in particular at the time, until I realized there was something wrong. Something had caught my attention, or someone, because there was definitely something in the yard. To make it worse, my grandparents lived deep into the woods, so there should not be any visitors this late. I shook my head, the thought crossing my mind that I may be hallucinating and tired, that shaking my head and rubbing my eyes might fix it. I looked back out the window after doing so, but they, or it, was still there. The same crooked stance, the same disproportionate body, same everything. It was then that I was beginning to feel disturbed. I grabbed my phone from next to me, trying to keep my eyes in the window, my eyes on that thing. Hey, I think I may be seeing things, I texted my boyfriend. His response came shortly after. Why? I told him what I was seeing, even looked up to make sure it was still in the same spot, and it was. There's something in my yard. It's tall and dark, and I don't know what it is. Probably just a deer. You'll be fine. He didn't think I was being truthful. I sat my phone down and went into the kitchen, just to look out the window again, and to be greeted by the same creature. It was startling, making me scream. I fell into the floor in a panic, crossing my arms over my head and began to hyperventilate. What I saw could not be real, could it? That's when I heard a door open. I forced myself to the floor even more, stiffening every last muscle in my body. Honey, what are you doing in the floor? I looked up to see my great-grandmother, who had awakened from my scream earlier. I, I saw... My voice was shaking. You saw what? There's something in the yard. It was tall, dark, and crooked. My grandmother gave me a puzzled look. She came over to look out the window herself. Darling, there's nothing there. Please, you have to believe me, I pleaded. Oh, I believe you. I know exactly what you're talking about, dear. She stared out the window as she spoke. Kids used to go missing up by the lakeside over here. We used to see something like that all the time, but it never really bothered us. Your grandmother, Kathy, was the first one to see it, and when she got my attention, what a sight it was. Horrifying, I'll tell you what, but from then on it happened so often that we named it. Is it safe? I asked still in shock and sniffling a bit. Her answer chilled me to the core, and it was the last we spoke of it. She said, As long as you don't get it to follow you, you'll be fine. Rougarou Wolf from Darmy D. 
Location unknown. As a kid, I always loved going exploring in my local woods. They were only a few minutes from my house. I would often take my friends, but sometimes would go alone. To say the least, I was one of those kids who was not very scared of it, and I didn't realize that there could be any danger in the world until I learned a cold, hard lesson. I woke up on a school day and began getting ready for school. To my surprise, my mom came into my room telling me how school was canceled for the day. Apparently, the teachers were on strike. This surprised me, but I wasn't complaining. I looked outside and immediately sighed, as it was dark and cloudy even though it was the morning. I knew exactly what I wanted to do, and even though the weather wasn't ideal, I found myself asking some friends about going into the woods. I wish I never had the thought. Eventually, me and two close friends, Aaron and Adam, met up to head to the woods. I remember feeling surprised that Adam was coming, as he was known for being boring, and he had even been compared to a boring rat. Aaron was also known as Perksy, wasn't the smartest of kids, and never really thought things through. Around 11 a.m., we made it to the start of the forest. I could already feel the excitement building in my stomach as we had all day to do whatever we wanted out there. We set out, playing and cutting up. We threw and jumped on sticks, climbed on trees, and played the normal games. Before long, my phone began to ring, and my mom was telling us to come back. It was getting late, and she said the weather was going to get worse. But we couldn't just do that. We had wandered so far and for so long that we did not know how to get back. Perksy immediately began to freak out, but I was still as excited as ever, realizing that it would be an adventure, finding our way out, all on our own. And that meant we would be in these woods a little bit longer. This feeling soon left me, though, when we heard the deafening sound of thunder. By this time, my phone had died, and Perksy and Adam didn't even bring theirs. That's when panic began to set in, and even I, as excitable as I was, was worried. We carried on, walking for what felt like hours. I was so shocked as I had been in these woods so much before, yet I didn't have a clue of where to go, of how to escape. We were sure police would be looking for us, but how long would it take? Eventually, nighttime was upon us, and we were all huddled by a tree together, freezing, shaking, and terrified. We all sat still for so long, until Perksy's head shot up. There was something in the distance glaring at us, he said. He saw eyes. He pointed Adam and I in the direction, and we saw it too. We sat there even more scared than before. As I felt this was my fault, I shouted at the creature to try to scare it away, but this was not a good idea. The thing that looked like a wolf suddenly rose up from the darkness, then it screamed. I'd never felt so horrified. The three of us jumped up and replied with our own screams, 
running for our lives. I had never seen anything like it before, and I honestly thought we were going to get eaten. I remember hearing the thing's gargling sounds coming from its mouth and the weird loud noises it made, which I can only describe as roars. I ran until my body would not let me go. I ran until I felt sick and noticed that Adam was with me. The creature hadn't followed us, but Perksy was nowhere to be seen. I wanted to desperately call out for my friend, but I hate to say that I was too terrified to utter a word. Adam turned white and fainted right next to me. I wasn't sure if it was the fear or exhaustion, but maybe it was both. I lay there with him, waiting for something to happen. A shiver ran down my spine when I heard something that will haunt me for the rest of my life. It was either a howl or a little boy's scream, but maybe it was both. After that, I blacked out too. The next time I opened my eyes, the sun was up and there were people standing over me. Adam was still asleep. It was the police who took us back to our houses. We were fed and given water. They began to question us later concerning Perksy's whereabouts, but we had no idea. We could barely talk and I only managed to mention what we saw. I remember my mom's face when she heard the description. I immediately started to cry. What awful things could have happened to my friend? After this incident, Adam and I didn't talk much, and my family moved away a month later. By this point, Perksy had been found alive, but he recalls having no memory of what had happened after we ran away. But he does hate me and Adam now. He says we left him, and I do feel so bad. I miss them both. I miss the fun that we had. I miss our friendship and when everything used to be normal. But that's long gone. I had to take therapy for a few years. But no matter what they tell me I saw, I know better. The thing that chased us was between human and animal, and it was unlike anything you've ever seen but they try to tell me it was some coyote or wolf and that the trauma from the event has caused me to make a boogeyman out of it. But my memories are quite clear. Be cautious in the wilderness. Even if you don't go alone, you might come out alone or not at all. Something in the Woods from Nathaniel C., Location, Mount Lemmon, Arizona. During autumn of 2017, my family and I were invited to a change of responsibility at Mount Lemmon, Arizona. As we waited there for the rest of the people to arrive, I began exploring the mountain woods. I started going downhill to a path when I heard someone talking. I looked to my left and saw a person who asked me, Are you lost? I shook my head, but then he told me that I should go back to my family because it wasn't safe. I ignored him and told him I'd be fine, then continued along the path. As I went deeper into the woods, it became harder to walk 
The path had been made for snow sports, and I guessed that when the snow left, it was harder to walk in. I continued going down until I saw something strange. It was covered in white and looked massive. It stood about 20 yards away from me. I quietly began to walk towards it to get a closer look. I watched it the entire time I went down, getting closer. Whatever it was, I could see it breathing, its chest and body heaving slowly up and down. But literally, the moment the tree passed over my vision and my view of the creature returned, it was gone. How something that big disappeared so quietly and so quickly. It was impossible. It didn't make sense. After a while of standing there in disbelief, I decided to go back. I had been gone about 30 minutes upon returning, but as I came back into view of the ceremony area, I saw that my family and a lot of other people had disbanded into the woods and began calling my name. I went up to them, to which they embraced me and scolded me. I didn't know what was going on. My mother told me not to run off like that, I asked for an explanation and she told me that I had been gone for four or five hours. There was no way that was possible. I had literally just left. I have no idea what happened that day on Mount Lemmon, but I can say that it has terrified me and made me wonder where the time went. I wonder, does it have anything to do with that giant white creature or is it all just a terrifying coincidence? Scraping on the House from Michael T. Location, Northern Canada. Let me start by saying that where I live can get very, very cold during the winter. This happened about a month ago when I was inside with my friends watching the game. I live in the middle of nowhere in the woods, and I have no neighbors whatsoever. During a night when the snow was pounding down heavily on the roof, I suddenly heard a sickening clawing sound right on the side of the house. I wanted to think that I was just hearing things, but it was far too loud. We all continued watching the game, trying to forget about whatever the heck that was. My friend Joshua decided to go outside for a smoke. He opened the door and walked out and closed it behind him. After a few minutes, we heard someone scream. It was so sudden that I nearly jumped out of my skin. He almost took the door off its hinges when he ran back inside. He sprinted in, slammed the door shut behind him, and was panting. We thought he was pulling our legs to scare us, but his face was pale white. He was saying that he saw something out in the field by the woods. I went outside with my hunting rifle to see what he was talking about. After about ten minutes of looking around, I definitely saw something. It was huge. It was tall and pale, hunched over. It looked like a skeleton with someone else's skin tightly pulled over it and tied together. It looked so unnatural, with its ribs and spine protruding from underneath the skin. I fired at it, but the thing did not even flinch. At that point, I was more afraid of getting its attention, 
so I ran back to the door while also trying to reload the rifle. We all stayed up staring out the windows and doors, trying to make sure that thing did not come back, and for now, it hasn't. We haven't seen it since the snow stopped, but I know deep down that that was the thing that clawed at my house, and after seeing it from head to toe, I can honestly say that I have no earthly idea what the hell it was. Bigfoot in Henrico County, Virginia from J. Shirazi. I'm 16 years old, living in Lakeside, Virginia. It was Christmas Eve. I was talking to a friend of mine named Nick on the phone. It was then that I began to hear twigs snapping in the back alleyway. I go to the nearby window to check it out, and this very thing stands up, staring at me with red eyes. Even from within the house, I can smell the thing. So disgusting, so horrible. I stared at it for about three or four seconds before it moved closer to me, and that's when I took off running for my freaking life, checking the doors and windows, frantically. My mom then asked me what was wrong. I told her that there was something outside. She looked and saw something too. This time, it was in the backyard. We just stared at the thing for about ten minutes. Then it moved, climbing over the fence and wandering off in the woods. Fast forward to February. I get curious to what this thing actually may have been, so I go into the direction of where it ran off to, which in this case is the woods across the street. My mom's boyfriend comes with me. We have our hunting rifles with us. We actually managed to catch up to it, as it left a trail of a stench that smelled of rot, but it easily heard us coming and picked up a rock with ease that was bigger than my head and basically shattered it on a tree near us. It was an obvious warning, and we took it, running as fast as we could. I haven't seen it since, but I know it's out there. I know if I encounter it in just the wrong way, it could be dangerous. It Let Me Go, from Drago. Location, unknown. This happened about two years ago when I visited my home country. There are many forests where I'm from, and wolves or other animals are common, so it didn't bother me if I heard the occasional howl or shot from a hunter. I've heard of werewolves and other beasts from European folklore, but as much as the stories give me the chills, I never really believed in them. The day before we had to go, I had just enjoyed one of my grandma's meals as we were staying on her farm. It was about 10 p.m., and I was going through my phone watching some videos when I decided it was time to go to bed. As I lay there on my bed, I looked up and saw that it was a full moon outside. My gaze froze on the moon as if I was in a trance. I almost fell asleep until I heard a loud howl this time, it was shocking, as it didn't sound like the typical wolf howl, and it sounded really close. Suddenly, three loud shots rang out, and they sounded as if they were just outside. There was a loud scream following shortly after, and then I saw it just outside my door. 
The way the house was, my bedroom had a door leading to the room and leading outside, and there was a small glass square on that outside leading door, so you could see outside through the top. When I saw the face of an angry-looking wolf looking through that glass, I was petrified. No wolf was that tall. A person standing on two legs would have trouble peeking his eyes at the glass, but I saw its eyes clearly. Blood red, with thick dark fur surrounding its body. I held my cross close to me and looked back at it. I told it to go away in the name of God. I swear to God I saw it smile, and then it walked away. The next morning I looked at my door and saw three claw marks in it. I didn't bother telling anyone since they wouldn't believe me. Strange things happen in my country and this was the strangest thing yet. My 7th grade camping trip nightmare from Tara Loves YouTube. Location, unknown. Last year I was in 7th grade. We took a camping trip for a few days. The moment we began setting up tents and getting into our hiking teams, Something felt eerie to me. Then again, I hadn't gone camping all that often, so I pushed it aside. The day went on with us hiking a few hikes, and when we got back from our hikes, we began a fire, rife with marshmallows and scary stories. After we all went to our tents, I was on my phone for a little bit, before trying to get some sleep. After about 15 minutes, I opened my eyes and saw shadows on the tent wall but I figured it was the fire outside making things look exaggerated. After that, I fell asleep. The following day was the same as the last, hiking day and night. Just like the night before as well, I could not go to sleep quickly. After 15 minutes of trying, I opened my eyes again, but I saw the same type of shadows. This time though, they were cast by the moon because the fire was out. I closed my eyes for five minutes, then opened them again to see the figure now crouching outside my tent. It started to circle it until it stopped in front of the tent zipper. I was terrified. I closed my eyes again and tried to fall asleep. When everything went quiet, I finally did. In the morning, I was standing outside the tent waiting for my friend to get out, and when I looked down at the ground... I saw footprints that were not human. I didn't say anything to my friends or classmates, and later that day we went on a three and a half mile hike. We were separated into three groups, a group of fast hikers being the first group, a group of average speed hikers for the second, and a group of the slowest folks being the last. We were a little more than halfway done with the hike when we stopped at a little stream to cool down and look at I was sitting on a fallen tree when I looked into the forest. I saw behind one of those trees a tall, dark figure. I thought that I was hallucinating because of dehydration from running out of water or from being tired. I looked away then looked back and it was gone. On the way down about a quarter of the way, I saw the same thing but closer to the trail. I was now convinced that what I was seeing was real and I felt terrified the entire way back down. The night was fine and the next day was normal, 
and I didn't tell anyone from my school about this. We have another camping trip coming up, and I'm not sure I want to go if I'm going to run into something like that. The Creature on My Family's Cabin from Shadow Shogun 15. This story happened about three years ago at my family's cabin in Michigan. We were having a family reunion during Christmas break. My brother and I were talking and drinking around the fire until, crack, something broke that sounded like a tree. The heck was that? I asked, giving my brother a confused look. He shrugged. You boys and I should go take a look, my dad said, grabbing his rifle. Dad, why would you need your rifle? My brother asked, but he got no response. We walked outside into the snowy night. Then we walked around the back of the cabin where the sound had come from. We didn't see anything yet, but we did hear something. A strange howl-scream noise, and then my brother practically screamed. What in God's name is that? That's when we saw it step out of the woods. A tall, pale creature with a skull-like head and red fluids dripping from its mouth. None of us said anything. We were frozen in fear. It stared with its deep, hollow eyes. That's when we heard the boom of my father's rifle. That snapped us out of our trance and sent the creature running away. We did as well, running back to the cabin. We said nothing to our family members and after some time we tried to get some sleep, but I was too creeped out by the window next to me. I thought that at any moment that thing would come back and stare at me all night. God, that was a creepy experience. The woods is simultaneously my favorite place and the most creepy place you can think of. Where better to hide away from people while also having a great spot to spy and wait for victims. The woods are good for all sorts of things, from hiking, fishing, hunting, and even being devoured slowly. I highly recommend the last. So, beware the woods, unless you're seeking the most terrifying monster in existence. Then, you're completely welcome to come on in. Good night. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. If you want to share your story, you can share it with the community at reddit.com slash r slash darkness prevails. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash darkness prevails or check out our merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash darkness prevails. Now, as usual, here are my five favorite early comments from the previous video about 20 scary ghost stories. Darren Peterson says, First, finally. I've been waiting for years to get first. Well, I think a congratulations is in order. You've won the chance to come to my house and read me a kid's bedtime story. For some reason, most people don't take me up on that offer. Oh well. Careless Whisper says, I feel like I am a ghost because everyone ignores me. Sometimes that's a good thing. You don't want attention from the wrong people or too many people. I don't believe in the whole all press is good press kind of thing. Britannia Willis says, I swear my unborn child knows your voice. She gets excited and starts kicking every time she hears you. My fiancé and I go to bed listening to your videos every night. So yeah, you've got a tiny fan. Uh-oh, sounds like we have a future horror narrator on our hands. 
What are you gonna do when she goes out with a camera looking for ghosts and monsties? Even though that sounds really awesome. Santana Legacy says, you're just in time to help end my day. No joke, I thought that said end my life for some reason. You scared me for a second there. And Forlorn Bat says, ghost stories are the best. I've been waiting for another. I've actually been looking forward to La Llorona soon. Me too. They need to make a movie on all these urban legends and monsters. I know my Discord people really want a Wendigo movie, where the Wendigo is the main antagonist. But I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Well, that brings us to the end of this Darkness Prevails episode. But don't you worry, because more scary stories are on the way soon. So stay tuned. Until next time, here are the credits to my amazing patrons who continue to donate. Remember, stay safe out there and stay creepy, because this world is a strange one. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.